Thank you for downloading this weekend sermon from Bangalore Revival Center. Our desire is to see you grow in your love and pursuit of God, causing you to become a channel of His love and grace to the people around you. Now let's listen to the Word of God. Greetings in Jesus' name. There are a few of us here tonight. We're going to study the Word of God together. And uh, God's Word is alive and he and it is active there is nothing that can shake us when we are standing on god's word there is nothing that can take us down when we put our trust when we anchor ourselves on god's word in the principles that he has taught us in the principles that he has already given us when we anchor ourselves in that i'm telling you there is no power in life no no fear of death no uh, threats of the enemy nothing can really take us down when we are living our lives based on god's word and that is why we study god's word in every season of life when we like it when we don't like it when we understand when we don't understand when we know what is coming up when we don't know what's coming up in every seasons of life that is why we study god's word because the more that we study God's Word, the more we receive uh, from uh, what God has planned for us. We receive His promises, we receive His heartbeat, we receive His dreams and desires for our lives. Amen? What have we been studying on first Saturday of every month? Foundations of the righteous. And what is our foundational verse? Let's read it out together. It is Psalm 11 and verse 3. It says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? In other words, we may be righteous, we may be children of God, we may be people of God, but when we do not have strong foundations, when we do not have right foundations, then we, we do not have the, uh, the, the ground to stand upon. And now, you should understand, Jesus is our foundation, right? Jesus is our ultimate foundation. There can be no foundation greater or better than Jesus, right? But when Jesus came, he taught us several principles. You know, nothing becomes a doctrine unless Jesus teaches it. For example, baptism. Jesus taught about baptism. The gift of the Spirit, speaking in tongues. Jesus taught about it. As much as the apostles practiced it and you know, we experienced it, unless Jesus has also taught it, unless Jesus has also spoken about it, there is no way we can call it a, a doctrine. And everything that we have been learning in this season are stuff that Jesus has, been, uh, has also taught us in, in the Word. Now, uh, but but our, our portion of study has been from the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Let's, uh, let's recite some of the previous lessons that we learned in this series. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. So the first foundation we realized, we understood is the foundation of repentance. That is where we get born again. That is where we encounter God. That is where Jesus comes into our heart and we are made new. Amen? And we are 
formed into the likeness and the image of God. Our spirit is renewed. You know, we are, there is a new birth in our spirit and we, in our spirit, we look a hundred percent like Jesus the day we repent of our sins and we turn to God. The second foundation is to get baptized, right? It's not enough that we receive Jesus in our hearts. It's necessary that we get baptized. Um, and and, and for, for a long time, you know, we have sometimes kept baptism to be something that we do like after we are very sure of all the doctrines and the, you know, teachings and the understanding of the Bible. But that's not how the Bible says baptism functioned back in the day. Back in the day, somebody got saved, immediately they got baptized. They did not even wait for a few days. They did not even wait for the next morning in the jailer's case or in Cornelius's case. They don't even wait for one day. As soon as they believed, they went ahead and they got baptized. And that's how important baptism is uh, as a foundation in the New Testament church for all of us. The third foundation that we studied is the, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. How we got to be baptized in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, it is not possible for us to experience anything that God has prepared for us. You know, we may read about everything that God has planned for us in the scriptures, but for that to become real to us, we need the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the more we experience this person in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the more we will be able to manifest all of what God has prepared for us. The reason why we sometimes are living such dry lives, we are not able to pray, we are not able, we are struggling in our life is because we are not, we are not tapping into the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you I'm going to come back to you and I'm going to give you the presence of the Holy Spirit. He will be with you and He will be in you. That is how important the presence of the Holy Spirit is. Now, it doesn't finish with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts 2 verse 42 that all the believers, they devoted themselves to the, come on, talk to me, to the apostles' teaching. So in other words, these guys got saved, they got baptized, they got filled in the Holy Spirit, but now they are yielding to the teaching of God's Word. Every uh, day they used to meet to receive God's Word. So they were not satisfied with the Holy Spirit teaching them. They needed teaching of the apostles because everybody brought a unique gift. See, if I will only listen to one voice, the problem is that I'll not necessarily have a wholesome understanding of what God is doing. And because God is doing different things through different people. Yeah. Come on, talk to me. What will happen if you will eat only from one restaurant for the rest of your life? What will happen if you only eat KFC for the rest of your life? Come on. That's going to be unhealthy for you, right? Now, is KFC good for you? Is it tasty? Will it, does it, is it good? Yes. In some seasons, you can eat KFC, but if you only eat KFC for the rest of your life, that's not, and that is why it is necessary for us to depend on what God is teaching other people, to listen to what God is speaking to Matthew and say, Matthew, teach me what you are learning from the Lord. You know, come and share what you're learning from God. 
You know, you go to Melita and say, hey, tell me, how do you manage your family? I want to understand how you do it. I've been married for so long, but I want to know how you manage the same thing. Now, when we learn from each other, when we open up our hearts to, to be taught God's word, to be taught God's heart, I'm telling you, our growth becomes exponential. Amen? And the next foundation that they had was fellowship. They met together daily, the Bible says. Not just weekly, but daily. And I'm, I believe, I, I, I know that sometimes it's a drag, you know, coming to church on a Saturday and on a Sunday and sometimes on a Friday and then for the anchor group and then, you know, for the worship practice and, and all those things. But I'm telling you, you better not get tired here because we are going to a time when we'll have daily services. You like it or not, that's where we are headed to. You know, uh, you know, there will be a day when Monday we will have service, Tuesday we will have service, Wednesday we will have service, Thursday we will have service, Friday we will have service, Saturday we will have service, Sunday we will have service. You know, you study revivals, whenever revival hit a place, they did not have weekly services. They had daily services. You study any revivals, even recent revivals like the Lakeland revival or you know, any of those revivals where, you know, where God has moved in a crazy way. They've all been daily services. Every night people will meet together and, and just receive from God. And I believe we are going towards that. Amen. Amen. And uh, the next thing that we learned about is the importance of communion. About how, uh, you know, the Lord's Supper helps us in in communing with him and in communing with each other, in forgiving each other and growing in our relationships with one another. Then we also studied about prayer, how important prayer is in every child of God's life, how we need to have a lifestyle of praying where we, where we trust in God and we depend on God like, like the branch would depend on the uh, the, 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 the stem, the, Jesus said, I am the wine and you are the branches. In the same way, the branch would depend on the wine for nutrition, for nourishment. That is what we do when we are constantly remaining in a place of prayer, right? Let's jump to for, verse 43. And we read this last month. We studied about this last month. It says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. So we, we learned that every Christian needs to have a supernatural edge to it. Right? We cannot be normal people. We have to be supernatural. We have to be people who, who expect the supernatural wave of God's presence to just come through every time we come into His presence. We are expecting God to do something unusual. We are expecting God to do something abnormal, something that we, are, we have not seen, we have not heard, we have not imagined or expected. Amen? Amen. Today we are going to go one more step further. This is Acts chapter 2 and verse 44. Let's read it out together. And it says, and all the believers, they met together in one place and and come on, loudly, and and shared what? Everything they had. You know, till the last point it was much easier to do. But here we have a problem because we have a lot of things. You know, see, if we didn't have anything, then it's not a problem. But when we have a lot of things, you know, we, uh, uh, when our iPhone is so expensive, when our, 
you know, clothes that we wear, they are the branded ones and the ones that, you know, that we have paid so much money for. That's when we, we are like, no God, I, I don't want to receive this one word. I don't want to receive this. I am receiving supernatural move of God and baptism of the Holy Spirit and communion and all of that. But don't talk about sharing. But it says they, they went to crazy extent. Let's verse, verse 45. It says they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. See, see, there is one thing. It's one thing to say, Wow, you don't have food to eat? I will, uh, you know, buy you some food to eat. I'll share my food with you. It's another thing to say, I'm going to sell my real estate, my property, give up everything. I'm going to sell everything to make sure that your needs are met. Man, these guys are living in another level altogether, right? No wonder they experience the move of God. No wonder they experience the presence of God. No wonder they experience the, the, the wave of God's glory day after day. Because they literally walked the talk. They literally lived it out. In, it says in chapter 4. We think that it's only in the initial parts. No. Let's go to chapter 4. That is much later. Acts chapter 4 and verse uh, 32. It says, And all the believers, they were united in heart and mind. And what did they do? And they felt, what did they feel? That what they owned was not their own. So what did they do? So they shared everything that they had. You know why we are not able to share in our day and time? Because we think that this is, this is mine. This is ours. This belongs to my family, this, is, this belongs to my church, this belongs to my organization. So don't you talk about sharing this. But here is a church that was willing to share everything that they had. Next verse, it says, not only that, it says there were no needy people among them. Man, that is a sign of a revival. And there's no needy people among them. In other words... There was not a single person in that church who did not have a place to stay. There was not a single person in that church who did not have clean clothes to wear. There was not a single person in that church whose children did not have fees to go to school. There was not a single person in that church who did not have medical expenses. No needy person. It doesn't say there were were that all their wants were met, but at least their needs were met. Their basic physical needs were met. Everybody, every single person. Now, now this is a church that I dream of building. Now, this is a church that I want us to be. Where we are so, so caught up with what God is building, and we are willing to sacrifice, we are willing to lay down everything to achieve this goal that there will be no needy people left in our house. There will be no needy people left in our church. What does it say? It says, and those who own land or houses, they, what would they do? They would go and sell them. Why? So that they can buy another houses? No. It says, verse 35, and bring the money to the apostles. Why? So that the apostles can have a lavish lifestyle? No. Because the apostles would be giving this money to those in need. You should understand, that was the whole funda, funda of first, first century giving. The first century giving was not about 
all the money comes to the pastor and the pastor says thank you so much and I enjoy all your hospitality and your love and, and the pastor lives happily ever after that's not the story the money came to the apostles but through the apostles it went back to places and people who had need that's what the Bible says now we live in our day and a time where you know we abuse the gift of you know the gifts of the church where we we are surrounded by bad role models of pastors or leaders who are taking but not giving back to the church who are receiving a lot of contribution from the church but they're not really taking care of anybody in the church and I pray that when God puts you into that place of being apostles when God puts you in that place of being leaders and pastors and, and ministers of God's word, that you will not be receiving for yourself. You'll be receiving so that you can redirect it into the body of Christ. So that your goal would be, Lord, there can be no needy people left in my church. There can be no needy people left in my house. There will be no needy people left in my city, in my nation, in my... You know, you know we, 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 we look at... We look at all these other organizations and think that, okay, they will eradicate poverty. No, no, no. The church will eradicate poverty. It's not no NGOs and all these charitable organizations who has to take care of the poor and the widows and, and the hurting people in the world. No, no, no. The church has to be the one that will be taking care of the needy people that is assigned to us. And how will that happen? That will happen when like the first century church we would live a very sacrificial life man i i'm just i was spending the whole day trying to imagine the heart that these guys carried what was going on in their heads when they when they wanted to like sell everything that they had and 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 bring it to the apostles some of them were successful some of them you know you know, Ananias and Sapphira, they kept 50% and gave 50% to God. I mean, come on, 50% still is a big deal, right? And, and the, 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 the liars and the stealers among them gave 50%, which means the, the good ones gave 100%. That is, that is New Testament giving. That is the standard of New Testament giving, where they lived in such a way that said, all that I have is... God's all that I have is yours hundred rupees out of hundred rupees is yours if I use even five rupees out of this hundred rupees for my glory for myself for my own sake then I'm making a big mistake I want to use hundred out of hundred rupees that I'm getting for God's glory that that is what I call a sacrificial Christian everybody say the sacrificial Christian now, now, if you study this, like I told you, everything that we learn about that the apostles practiced, they are also things that Jesus had previously taught them, that you guys should do this. Jesus had taught them, Jesus had told them, this is how your life is or supposed to be. Let's read a couple of verses and let's try to understand, okay? Matthew chapter 10 and verse 9. Jesus told the disciples who were going to preach, Jesus was telling his followers who, were, who he was sending out two by two. He was sending them into different towns and villages. And what did he tell them? Read it out. Don't take any money in your money belts. No gold, silver or even 
Why would Jesus ask a team that is going on a missionary trip to not take money? Come on, what do you think? Why would Jesus tell them, don't take gold or silver or copper coins? Like, is it because gold is bad? Is, is silver bad or is copper coins? Is it sin? What is the reason that Jesus told them, don't take money with you? Sorry? Come on, you can be... They, they had to trust in God, yes. That's right. What else? Come on. Because he's the provider. They should not be looking at the money as the provision. That's true. What else? Come on. Talk to me. What else? Let me explain this to you. They are going out there to, you know, in the same way that Jesus came into this world, they are going out there into the world to preach the gospel, right? How did Jesus come into this world? He came with all his riches and glory and bank balance, all like heaven's account, he brought it with him. How did Jesus come? It says he became poor. He was, he was, a, he became a nobody so that he can come and preach the gospel to us. Basically what Jesus did was he, he, he became a disgrace. He, he kept aside his riches. He kept aside all the things that he was naturally entitled to. Jesus lived a sacrificial life. And Jesus was teaching his disciples, if you want to be carriers of my love, if you want to be carriers of my grace, then you need to live a sacrificial life like I do. Like I did. See, it was not actually about the money. It was not really about their comfort. It is about how much they are willing or able to give up, how much they are willing or able to sacrifice. The next verse, it says in verse 10, it says, don't carry a traveler's bag with, or with a change of clothes. Now, now this, is getting, this is getting really hard. I can imagine Jesus saying, don't, uh, you know, take money, but no extra pair of clothes? Come on, that's hygiene. No, you don't, you guys don't agree? You can live with a pair of clothes for how many days? Come on. If you were on an island with just your shirt and your, and your trouser, how long would you be able to live in that island with just that? You know, we, we want fresh pair of clothes. These are basic things, right? Basic necessities that we have. But Jesus tells them, hey, don't take a change of clothes. Don't take even an extra pair of clothes. Not even sandals or a walking stick. You know, these are stuff that you need when you're going on a really long journey. And Jesus says, sacrifice everything. But then Jesus says, don't hesitate to ho accept hospitality. Whenever hospitality is offered to you, don't, you know, refuse it. If they give you food, eat. If they give you good clothes, wear it. No problem. But you, you give away what belongs rightfully to you. Like, for example, if, if this is what you brought into uh, the mission journey, then you give all of that up and then you start with absolutely nothing. And then on the journey, if you get something, receive hospitality. No problem if they give you some good food. No problem if they, you know, give you a nice place to stay in. No problem. But, but don't, don't carry your own belongings. 
what Jesus was actually doing there was trying to disconnect them from themselves because so often our identity becomes part uh, part and parcel of you know it, it gets so connected with what we have the phone that we use the the car that we drive and the the house that we live in and the you know the clothes that we wear and the you know and and the kind of hotels and the restaurants that we eat in and the and the kind of flights that we travel by and that becomes our identity and jesus said hey you want to serve me you need to disconnect from all these other things that you can attach your identity to jesus was not saying you should not eat jesus was saying hey I don't want what you eat to become your identity. Sacrifice all of them. Lay it all down. In another place, this is uh, a little scary, but I want you to, you know, see this, okay? Another place, okay? Matthew chapter 8 and verse 19. The Bible says, one of the teachers of religious law said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, what would we do if somebody comes and tells you when you are serving the Lord and, you know, you, what would you do? You would give them all the benefits, right? You would tell them, wow, that's amazing. This is the benefit of serving me, following me. You will get access to the latest teachings and you will get access to all the uh, behind the scenes and you will get access to our special partner material and all those things. We will tell them. But Jesus replies to this teacher and, and this is a teacher, which means he knows the Bible a little bit. He knows Torah. He, knew, he knows the Old Testament a little bit. This guy in Jesus' team can be a good addition. But guess what Jesus says? The next verse it says, But Jesus replied to him, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. Look at this. Jesus is saying, Hey, you want to follow me? This is the lifestyle you will have to live. You will... You will be living a lifestyle where sometimes you don't have a place to sleep on, a place to sleep in. Are you okay in doing this? And, and several times Jesus put a heavy demand on the people that were following him. Several times Jesus asked them, hey, are you sure you want to follow me? You, if you want to follow me, not only are you going to give up on your clothes and your money and your sandals and your walking stick and all those things, you're also going to give up on your place of stay. Let's read chapter 16 and verse 24. He said, If any of you want to be my followers, you must... Come on, read it loudly with me. One, two, three, go. You must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. All we want to do is follow Jesus. But Jesus says, no. You want to follow me? There is a process to following me. Just by lifting hands and praying a prayer, you cannot become my follower. You want to become my follower? Let me tell you how to follow me. First, give up your own way. Give up your own way of making your money. Give up your own way of feeling comfortable. Give up all those things. Second, take up your cross. There is a cross, there is an assignment, there is a hardship that is assigned for each and every one of us as we persevere to preach God's word. And it says, take up your cross and then follow me and then you can be my followers. That's what Jesus told them. And, and you know, our problem is that, you know, we, we want to become followers of Jesus, but the day that we 
feel that, you know, this is going to threaten my comfort of lifestyle. This is going to threaten my comfort of living. This is going to threaten my ministry. This is going to threaten my family security. This is going to threaten my future plans. This is going to threaten my, you know, my friendships, my, my hangouts, the people that I love hanging out with. You know, that's when we draw a boundary and say, Jesus, I will follow you on Sundays. Don't ask me to follow you on these other times. Jesus, yes, I will follow you here, but not here. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you there, but don't tell me to give up on all these other things. These are not necessarily sinful things. Now, tell me, from all that we read, are any of these sinful things? Is gold, silver, copper coins sinful? Sure. Is having an extra pair of clothes sinful? Come on. All of us are guilty of that, right? We may not have gold, silver and copper coins, but we all have at least one extra t-shirt at home. Come on. Yeah, we are all guilty of that place. So, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, hey, when you follow me, you have to be willing to give up your life. Now, Jesus may not ask you to give up your t-shirt, but there are things that he would ask you to be willing to sacrifice, willing to lay down in order to be able to fulfill the calling to be able to fulfill the, the, the plan that He has prepared for you, the purposes that He has planned for you. You cannot walk into the fullness that He has planned for you un- until and unless we are willing to live a sacrificial life like the first century church lived. Peter, he came to Jesus one day and he said, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 27, he said, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Now that's a legitimate question and I'm so glad Peter asked it because that gives me hope that, you know, hey, when you give up something for Jesus, when you lay down something, when you sacrifice something, there is always a reward. Amen? Amen. What did Jesus reply to him? Jesus replied, next verse, he said, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne what will you do you who have been my followers will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel wow did Jesus just give them access and and did Jesus just say that you guys see now when he said you 12 people he was not only talking to those 12 because you know one of them turned out to be Judas right he was not talking about those 12 the literal physical 12. He was talking about every single one of his followers. Those who would give up. Those who would make sacrifices in this world. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I'm going to give you great authority in the next world. Where you will be put on thrones. And you will be judging over the 12 tribes of Israel. Come on now. I'd like to, I'd like to, you know. I'd like to judge over Bangalore. You know, I'd really like to have the authority to judge over Bangalore. And I'm going to call all those municipality guys who didn't fit our roads and I'm going to judge them like really, really well on that day. And and Jesus said, hey, when you live sacrificially in this life, I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you so much, you know, position that you will be sitting on thrones in the next life. Not just that. Let me read the next verse. This is 
very beautiful, very exciting. It says, and read it with me, and everyone who has given up houses. So what are the things that Jesus expects us to give up sometimes? Come on, say it out. Houses. Ouch. Somebody say ouch. The next thing he says, or oh, brothers. Somebody say ouch. Or sisters. Or father. Or mother. Or children. Or property. For my sake. What will they get? They will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. What God is saying is, hey, you, you, when you make your life, uh, when you choose to live a sacrificial life, you're, you're not going to go off without returns. There is no way you can sacrifice and your sacrifice will be bigger than Jesus' sacrifice. Come on. There's no way you can give because when Jesus sacrificed, what did he get in return? He sacrificed his life and he got sons and daughters. So many sons and daughters. That's what he harvested. It says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and does not die, it remains alone. But when it dies, it bears much fruit. And here is, here is Jesus inviting the church into a lifestyle of sacrificing. Sacrificing homes, relationships, properties, comfort zone, you know, people that are close and near and dear to them. And Jesus is saying, hey, you're going to get a hundred times more in this life and you will get eternal life in the next. There is reward here and then there is reward there. You know, I'm, I've been enjoying teaching this entire series on foundations and I was praying and I was asking the Lord, what should I be teaching the next year, you know, during the Saturday series? I feel I should be teaching a series on prosperity. I'm going to be teaching on biblical principles of prospering, you know, how to be prosperous, how to, uh, you know, God is not against your prosperity, but this is the way to be prosperous. Uh, you know, we all want 100 homes. But we are not willing to give up that one house that we already have. Right? We all want hundreds of brothers and sisters and hundreds of fathers and mothers or our lives and hundreds of uh, property and children and all of those. We want that. But we are not willing to give up that one thing that God has already given us. So I think the next year, every first Saturday, we are just going to focus on prosperity. If you don't like prosperity, don't come on Saturday night. If you like if you like to understand what does the Bible say about true biblical prosperity, then come and join in. And we're going to go through the scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And we're going to dig up all that the Bible says and teaches us about prosperity. And, and we're going to be a prosperous church. But this is how we're going to be prosperous, by living a sacrificial lifestyle. The first century church, when they sacrificed, the Bible says they did not have any needy people among them. And when we live that same sacrificial lifestyle, we will not have any needy people among us. We will not have any needy people in our city. We will not have any needy people in our nation. You know, what we are doing in essence is we are imitating what Jesus did. 
Jesus sacrificed first for us. Jesus laid down his life for us so that, so that the Bible says he became poor so that we can be made rich. He became sin so that we can be made righteous. How can we carry this love of God to people if you're not willing to sacrifice? How can we carry the same grace of God to other people if we are holding on so tightly to our comfort level, comfort zones? Hebrews chapter 13. I love this text. It says in Hebrews 13 verse 10, We have an altar from which the priests in the tabernacle have no right to eat. This is not talking about an earthly altar. You know, in the Old Testament, the earthly altar, the priests, they had a right to eat from that altar. But it says, but this altar that we are talking about, it's an altar where, where the priests in the tabernacle don't have any right to eat from. Because this is an altar to God. This is an altar where, you know, where God is enjoying what is being offered on this altar. Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now that is not for a man. That is not for the priest. That's not for your pastor. That's not for your parents. This is an altar that belongs to God. And it says in verse 11, under the old system, the high priest, they brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a come on somebody say, say it out as a sacrifice for sin and the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp there were two things that happened one the blood was bought you know when they brought them into the uh, temple they would be killed at the outer courtyard the blood of these animals they will be brought into the holy place but the bodies of these animals were burned outside the camp. They were taken outside the camp and they would be burned outside. The fat and everything will be burnt outside, right? Now, that is where the altar is. The altar will be outside the, the holy place. It's not inside the holy place. The next verse, it says, so also. Somebody says, so also. It says, so also. Jesus suffered and died where? outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his blood see something happened in the old testament where the where the where the sheep or the lamb or the animals or the goats or the bulls they were burnt outside but their blood brought you know redemption inside the house inside the place and here it says jesus did the same thing what did jesus do jesus suffered and died where outside the city gates why to make the people inside holy and so that so that they can experience freedom now what is the next verse this is the next verse okay are you ready for this so many preachers will tell you wow jesus died and jesus did all those so that we don't do it so that we don't have to do it anymore no that's not what the bible says let's read what the bible says it says so what should we do so once we experience holiness in the temple, once we experience His blood cleansing us, once we experience the redemption and that freedom in our lives, what should we do? It says now, we also, come on, read it with me. So let us go 
out to him. Where is out? Out is that place where you burn that animal. Out is a place where Jesus died. That's a place of sacrifice. That's a place where, that's not a holy, you know, cute place. This is a place where you are going to be dying to yourself, right? And he says, so let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace that he bore. And what is, what is the Bible telling us to do? The Bible is telling us to imitate the sacrificial lifestyle of Jesus. The way that Jesus sacrificed himself. The way that Jesus, you know, he became a shameful entity in all of Israel that day. He became a, a name that everybody mocked. He became a person that everybody made fun of. He said, everybody said, hey, look at this guy. This guy has no hope. This guy has nothing left. Why did he choose this way? This is useless. Not even his own disciples were with him. Isn't that sad? Not even his best friends stayed with him. Only one, John, who was there and, at the, and a few ladies, including his mother, who were there. And the Bible says, now you got to do the same. Are you willing to give up your homes, your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your property, give up everything for the sake of pursuing this Jesus. Go outside the camp, go outside your comfort zone, go outside to that place where we bear the disgrace that he bore. Just because he bore the disgrace doesn't mean that we are free to live however we want to live. No, it says now we take that same disgrace we bear the same disgrace. Give me the next verse. It says, for this world, come on. Come on. For this world, for, come on. I want this verse to go deep, deep, deep into our spirit. What, what is the world, what is the Bible telling us to disconnect from? The Bible is saying, you have to disconnect from this world. Why? For this world, read it out with me. For this world is not our permanent home. Amen? Amen? It may be our temporary home, but it's not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. What is your favorite, you know, brand of clothes that you like? Zara or Nike or whatever. You have to say, for Zara, it's not my permanent lifestyle. I'm going to be dressed in glory, man. That is my permanent lifestyle. I'm looking forward to a glory that is not comparable to what I wear here on earth. I'm not going to get so attached to what I wear here, to how I live here. I'm not going to get so attached to the food I eat here, the privacy I want in my own house and the, and the comfort that I need from, from my people. I'm not going to get so attached. I'm going to live a sacrificial life. You know, so, so often we think this is for the pastors. This is for the missionaries. Those that want to go to missions in Africa. And it, no, the first century church, every Christian did this. Man, come on. Talk about it. We think that, oh, how can we give away our homes? And, you know, for different people it will be different. But we have to be willing to live a sacrificial lifestyle. Yes, that, is, that has to become the foundation of our life. Jesus, John said it like this, 1 John 3 verse 16. It's amazing. 
We all know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So that those who believe in him will have eternal life. 1 John 3.16. It says, in the same way that God gave his son for this world, God, Jesus died for us. In the same way, now you die for your brothers and sisters. Now you sacrifice, you lay down your life for your brothers and sisters. Why? Because this world is not our permanent home. Why did this first century church people live such sacrificial life? Because they believed all that they had was not their own. They believed that what they had was not permanent. They believed that what they were living, what they were experiencing, that did not belong to them. They were just good stewards of this for and towards a beautiful eternity. They, go, they were looking forward to a home yet to come. They were looking forward to addressing sins that was yet, they were, that was yet to manifest. They were looking forward to a, a lavish feast at the table of the king that is yet to be served to them. They were looking forward to that. That is why they did not, they did not get so attached to the pleasures that they got in this lifestyle. Verse 15, it says, Therefore, everybody say, therefore, therefore. let us offer through Jesus a, a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to His name. What should we do? Therefore, let us offer a continual sacrifice of praise. When we praise God, when we worship God, let us offer a constant, continual, repeated sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to His name. Amen? Amen. And so, Jesus is saying, the first sacrifice that I want you to make is with, you, is with your mouth, is with your words. The first sacrifice that God wants you to make is with, the, with your proclamations with your declarations what you speak from day to day that has to be your initial sacrifice but that's not enough everybody can do it right everybody can make sacrifices with the mouth let's read the next verse verse 16 it says and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need these are the sacrifices that pleases God wow what is God saying Let's, let's, let's rewind back to verse 10. What does it say? Now we have an altar. This is an altar where no priests have any, any authority to take from. Then we talks about how Jesus, you know, laid down himself on this altar outside the camp. Just like this uh, Old Testament bulls and rams would be killed outside the, the, the camp. And then it says, now we also should do the same. We should live, leave the camp and go outside and... and Lay out and bear the same disgrace, it says. And then it, then it says, this is why you should do it. Because this world is not our permanent home. Now, because this world is not our permanent home, let us live a sacrificial life. What is the first sacrifice? It is a sacrifice of praise. Your voice, your words. That is your sacrifice of praise. Now, the second is your sacrifice through your actions. It says, and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that truly, really please God. Man, Amen. what will happen 
if as a church we truly accept this as a mandate we truly believe that this is the foundation of our lives because this is not what the church did when they became very spiritually strong and you know powerful the church became very strong and spiritually very uh, you know they they went into the depths you know towards the later part of the first century church but this is the starting points of their walk with god this is what they did immediately when they started serving god it's not like you know they they did some they did this after they were walking with god for 40 50 60 years they as soon as they became christians the first thing they did was they received jesus into their hearts they got baptized they got filled in the holy spirit they started listening to god's word they started praying they started becoming uh, part of a fellowship they started doing communion they started you know doing everything possible to walk in fear of god so that signs and wonders can multiply but then they took it another step forward they said now we're going to live sacrificially we're going to give up our homes we're going to give up everything that we have we're going to live such generous lifestyles that there will be no needy people among us and i pray that going forward that you and i will not turn a deaf ear or a blind eye to anybody that we see is hurting or in need if it if if i mean i'm telling you you may feel like man somebody is going to take advantage of me and you know i may lose something that is so precious and valuable i'm telling you if you give up something for jesus you will get a hundred times more that's what jesus said and then you will get authority to rule over you know those same people that took advantage of you in the next season in the next life you get to rule over them man you get to sit on thrones over their lives isn't that amazing isn't that cool so can we can we can we ask god to give us the grace to live sacrificial lives because this world is not my home what i have come on say it after me what i have is not mine it belongs to jesus this world is not my permanent home bangalore is not my permanent home my office is not my permanent provision what i have what i do they are not mine they belong to you jesus that has to become the foundation of a christian amen, amen. psalm 11 and verse 3 read it out with me if the foundations are destroyed what can the righteous do this is the foundation the foundation of a righteous person is that we live sacrificial lives amen Let's pray together. Say God, give me grace today. Give me grace this month to live a sacrificial lifestyle. Give me the grace, Lord. I know that I I may not have the 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 all the resources in the whole world. I may not be as wealthy as this XYZ person. I may not be as talented as this so and so person. I may not be as as well enabled and equipped like somebody else. But I want to be I want to be able to sacrifice whatever little I have. Whatever little you have given me. If it is only 5 loaves and 2 fish, teach me how to give that 5 loaves and 2 fish. If it is only one meal that is left in my house, the last meal after which I'm going to be dying. The widow and the son of the widow, they were about to die after eating that last one meal.
But even if it is that one meal that I have, I'm going to give it. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to sacrifice that last meal that I've got. I'm going to give it up. Teach me, Lord. I may have a savings of an entire lifetime in my bank account. But if the Lord tells me, when the Lord comes into my house, when the Lord is moving in my house, I'm going to bring that entire lifetime savings and I'm going to come and break it at the feet of Jesus. In my eyes, my heart is going to constantly be looking out for the needy. For people that can benefit from my sacrifice. My giving, I'm not going to give out of my etzes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give out of my overflow. I'm not going to give only when I have spare time and, and spare money and spare resources. No, 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 no. That's how the people of the world give. We give sacrificially. We give even when we don't have for ourselves. We give what belongs rightfully to us because we consider that what belongs to us is truly not ours. It belongs to you, Lord. This world is not my home. I'm just a passer through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Angels beckon me to heaven's open door, and I can feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? Angels beckon me to heaven's open door. I can feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? For the angels beckon me to heaven open door and I can feel at home in this world anymore this world this world is not my home I'm just passing through my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue for the angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can feel at home in this world anymore and I and I can feel at home in this world anymore yeah and I can feel at home in this world anymore so Lord, you know, I have no friend like you. 
If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? Angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can feel at home in this world anymore. Daddy, I pray for each and every one of your children in this place who are willing to give up their houses, their, their brothers, their sisters, their father, their mother, their, their, their loved ones, so that they can see your glory manifest in their lives. So they can see your goodness come to pass. I pray, Father, that you would bless them today. You would bless their sacrifice. You would bless their trust in you. You would bless their dependency upon you, Daddy. I even pray for those that are watching us online, on live stream, or on YouTube later, or even those that are listening to us on audio podcast. We just pray and we bless them, Daddy. And we release this grace of multiplication upon every heart, every person that is willing to give up even one, one penny, even one rupee, even one house, or even one small thing that they're willing to lay down, they're willing to sacrifice in their pursuit of following you. I pray, Father, that there will be a spirit of multiplication that will overtake them this season, Daddy. That this month, even as we sacrifice, even as we lay ourselves down, Lord, cause your presence to multiply in us. Cause your provisions to increase and abound in our lives. Thank you, Lord, because you've called us to be a prosperous church. Thank you, Lord, we will be a prosperous church. Thank you, Lord, for there will be no needy people in our church. Thank you, Lord, because there will be no needy people in these homes of wherever we are going into, Lord. Wherever our videos and audios are going, there will be no needy homes. There will be no needy countries. There will be no needy places. We release this word as a prophetic word over your children. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. We hope you are refreshed and strengthened by the word of God. If you want to know more about God or have a question you would like to ask or even a prayer request you would like to share, do connect with us at dreamingrevival.com. Be our guest for one of our services here at Bangalore Revival Center on Saturdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 11 a.m.